While the Monocle Weekly takes a temporary break, we're bringing you conversations with some of the leading figures in art and culture from around the world. Today, we're hearing from director Thomas Clay, whose new film, Fanny Lie Delivered, stars Maxine Peake and Charles Dance in an intensely imagined folk horror western set in the years after the English Civil War. Fanny Lie. She'd only known the land till the day the strangers came, turned that whole world upside down. Who goes there? The, the film begins in 1657. We discover Fanny Lie, her husband John Lie, and their son Arthur living on a small farm in the remote countryside. Their lives are then disrupted by the arrival of two mysterious strangers who arrive um, on the farm naked, asking for help. Against John's better judgment, Fanny persuades him to let them stay. And I suppose events begin to uh, develop from there. A sheriff who just transpires is um, in pursuit of the couple. We need to make reference, I guess, to Fanny's, um, you know, know, Fanny starts to, um, her view starts to change. Her world is transformed by uh, the events of the film. This is it. And it's crucial and that these two people who arrive on the farm kind of naked are themselves, you know, the costume, the, the setting is all beautifully rendered in Fanny's Lie Delivered. Their nakedness as they arrive on the farm is kind of quite starkly at odds with the very buttoned up, high collared, big hatted, puritanical sort of woolen clothes that poor Fanny and her husband are clad in. And that kind of sets up maybe one of the fundamental dualities at the heart of the film, which is this conflict between puritanicalism and licentiousness. You know, I was thinking at the moment, obviously, in in a very different context, there has been this kind of mass reappraisal of history. You know, people are talking a, a lot in the UK at the moment about the need to include much more on colonial history, specifically on the harm done by British colonial forces in the syllabus. I wonder if you think that this moment in history, which I think is maybe kind of overlooked, this moment where post-Civil War, Oliver Cromwell's Puritanism, which went on to become this cornerstone, really, of of white America and its clash against a more quasi-pagan licentiousness. I wonder if you think that's an area that also maybe needs a bit of reappraisal. Maybe if we've kind of found ourselves witnessing that kind of conflict in a, in a slightly different way, again, in the modern age. It's a pivotal moment. Although, actually, I think what came before Cromwell it was even worse, that the, you know, the king was, was a tyrant. Um, he had his own court called the, you know, the Star Chamber. He, he could just pull anyone into his court and prosecute them, have them even executed. And so, in a strange way, you know, Cromwell was a, a step in the right direction. And yeah, after that, he then became a tyrant himself and went to Ireland and, and committed atrocities there. And so you then had this struggle between the Puritan forces and people who actually had, a lot of them had fought alongside Cromwell. I mean, in the New Model Army, you have the levellers, the diggers, arguing for a much more kind of egalitarian approach to government. And and even though the end result was not good, the city of London eventually took over and, and brought the king back and everything in many ways went back to what it was before. There was a, a great intellectual change and this then fed out into... French Revolution, the American Revolution. So I think, yeah, it's a crucial period of English history.
To get back to the film, it pays its dues to lots of these kind of amazing second half of the 20th century set period folk horror pieces, you know, which find a general blood on Satan's claw have both been mentioned, but it does something very original. It kind of brings in this Western quality. How did you kind of metabolize those influences when you were looking at this story that you were going to tell? Um, I, I mean, from the beginning, I, I saw it as a Western. That was really the the, the eureka moment, realizing that I could come at this history in this period through that 70s Western lens. I suppose looking at um, something like Riding the Whirlwind, the Monty Hamill film, kind of showed me that that you can make a gripping, kind of thrilling narrative out, out of a, almost a single location, a small number of actors, and not, not very much money. And so I suppose once I had the idea, it all, it all kind of snowballed from there. Also, I guess, realising that it was a great way to capture the different ideological stances of the, the various actors at that particular moment. That could all be condensed into this uh, chamber drama. You mentioned there that kind of the possibilities presented by like genre work within the kind of confines of budgetary constraints and, you know, this single location, which works extremely powerfully in the film. It, the place changes as the actors and as their experiences develop. I think that at the moment, you know, there's been this kind of protracted sort of reappraisal of the horror film. And I guess part of that has kind of been people waking up to the way that genre can be used as a blueprint for what is no less compelling storytelling, you know, that people are aware that it's not just pulp anymore. Did you feel that as you were making the film or was that not something that you were kind of really thinking about? You can have multiple levels to a film and it's quite possible to you know, have make a genre film and, and it still have to give people a lot to think about um, at the same time. It can function on both those levels, which to me is more interesting, I guess, than making a straight drama. What were you kind of hoping to set up with this? I mean beyond this kind of exploration of this point in history, beyond the sort of genre things, did you see it as something, I, I know that your, your debut, The Great Ecstasy of Robert Carmichael, cut footage from the war in Iraq that was kind of taking place around the time of its release against, you know, scenes of extraordinary violence that pulled a comment on what was happening in the day. Did you see this film as having a similar message or was it really much more about exploring that time and exploring those kind of modes of filmmaking? But the past helps us to understand the present. And I, I think, you know, 17th century has, still has a lot to teach us. So I, I guess that was, you know, the, the draw. I guess there isn't a specific message. I, you know, I, I don't like to kind of, you know, ram a message down people's throats. I think uh, they can watch it and, and draw their own conclusions. And, and form their own allegiances. You know, some people may feel more affinity towards one character than another. And we, we've had a lot of different reactions. On set, was it a particularly intense shoot? I mean, it was it was very protracted. So I, I think that was the the main feeling. This kind of grind of kind of gradually getting through things, particularly the exterior scenes. There were quite a lot of changes in weather. We had uh, some flooding of the set. The mist posed a problem. Every time the wind shifted direction, the the smoke machines would have to be moved around, and at the same time, you're trying to get the continuity of the light as well. It was, I guess, kind of slow going, really. Like, like people having to get used to sitting around a lot <laughs> as we waited for, for things to fall into place. also contributed the soundtrack to this which i should say is out now as well when you're very hands-on with the edit is it important to you to have that auteur like 
oversight on all the different components. Was the soundtrack something that you felt particularly strongly about writing yourself? Well, I, I mean, I kind of trained as a composer at university, and I guess rhythm has always been an important part of my filmmaking, just the, the feeling of the, the pacing and the, the movements, and, and, and the music is such a huge kind of part of that. And, and in the past, I've generally used pre-existing music and edited it and manipulated it, whereas this film you know, quickly became apparent that it really needed a, an original score. At that stage, I mean, I, mean, I tried to work with the composer, but I think I had the ideas in my head were too fixed, and, and so I had to do it myself. Given that it's kind of, as you just said, you, you shot it in 2016, it's been a minute since that you've been working on this. I obviously watched it at home because th- those are the conditions that we live under now. And it didn't jar for me. While I'd love to see it again on a big screen, I suppose there's something about the fact that it is a kind of domestic film in many respects that maybe doesn't mean that it's quite the same pity not to see it in the cinema as it might be for maybe a much bigger globe-trotting blockbuster. How do you feel about the conditions of its release? We shot the film on 35, and I think the ideal way to see it is, is on that print. But at the same time, we kind of knew that that was going to be a very limited thing. Most people were going to see it digitally. And, and in that regard, I, I feel there's not a huge difference. I, you know, Overall, I'm just glad that, that we're finally getting an audience for the film. Yeah, and I'm sure you'll have a big one. I, I don't doubt that if and when it does get some special plays on the 35 mil, it will be incredibly popular indeed. I think everyone will certainly want to look out for it. Thomas, thank you so much for joining us. And congratulations, I should say. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Thanks to Thomas Clay and Fanny Lai Delivered is available to watch on streaming services now. Do check out the soundtrack as well. The Monocle Weekly is on a temporary break, but keep an eye on our website for fresh interviews with leading figures from the arts and culture around the world. I've been Augusta Machilari. The interview was co-produced and edited by May Lee Evans. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.